Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. There Until I tell you, for Herod is search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled that the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and, it, and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from Magi. And we're now going to light the Advent candles. <laughs> please now bow your heads and join me in a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, this Christmas we come to you with humble and grateful hearts. Those have given us another amazing season to celebrate Christmas. Our hearts are full of thanks for family, friends, our friends here at Branches, and your love. May we continue to grow our faith and open our hearts so that we may receive your will. On this night that we celebrate the birth of our Savior, I pray that we can have the kind of trust and faith that Mary and Joseph had demonstrated that leading up to this wonderful event. I pray for a united front as we all embark on new adventures in this upcoming year. Please give us guidance and protection so that we may be beacons of hope for those around us. Lastly, I pray that everyone here can surrender to the fact that we are forgiven and we are saved by his grace. And all his people said loudly, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Quick question. Is my mic going in and out? So it's just my ears? Okay, cool. If it goes in and out, Jesse will scream and shout and let me know. Here's the thing. When you come for Christmas Eve or Easter, but especially Christmas, you're like, okay, he's going to say something really sweet. They're going to do all these great things. I'm going to feel good about myself. And I'm going to leave. And it's just going to be great. The lighting's going to be perfect. I am going to give a different kind of message on Christmas Eve. Um, for me, last year, I was looking at my computer screen in the ICU and watching Matt Winger run around with a little camera thing so I could see <laughs> everything. And when, when everything was done and all of that kind of came to a conclusion, it was very clear to me. I said, I'm never going to be the same pastor again. I'm never going to be the same dad. I'm never going to be the same husband Things are going to be different. Not that they're Life is just short. And so when I looked at this passage, I said, well, this isn't a typical way to kind of share this. No one ever talks about Herod on Christmas Eve. You ever heard that? No one in the Christmas passage, ooh, can I be Herod? No one did that. <laughs> but sometimes these stories are so familiar like we've been talking about over the past few weeks, that they're unfamiliar. Sometimes we can look at these, see this, it is going in and out. 
You were lying. Well, that sounds good to you, you're right there. You can't even hear the speakers. So with this story, it can become so familiar that it's unfamiliar. And we had so, so many stories of Jesus' birth, but the writers of the first four Gospels just chose a few of them to share, and they chose them for a reason. And why would they include a guy like Herod? He's not a very good guy, as we're going to look at here shortly. So why include him? Why not leave him out? Why not make the lighting just perfect? There was a reason for it. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. It's not this morning, is it? I'm not used to doing this <laughs> night thing. The same thing is going to happen next. So next Sunday, we're not meeting in the morning either. We're meeting at night. So I'm going to do the same thing. So for you guys that are there, yeah, you're going to get the, and we're not at the harbor. We've, we've asked Shoreline if we could use their place. So that's a little side note. That's a little freebie I just gave you of information. That's probably John Tisdale's job to tell you that, but I just gave that to you for free. Um, but at this time, this passage, the reason I think they included it is because it reiterates something that's in all of our natures. None of us like anybody to tell us what to do. Maybe by chance you're feeling a little stressed during the holidays with family and everyone in town. Maybe, a little bit. Maybe within your own family. Maybe people come in from out. Maybe it's just all the stuff. Your boss is what. No one likes to tell them what to do. And no one tells you more what to do than family. Oh, really? We're having ham. Wow. Hmm. Which means ham. What a dumb idea. We all know what that meant. It wasn't like, oh, I'm surprised. There's ham. Or you have family. Oh, your lights. Okay. Oh, your kid's going to go to that school? Okay. Or they're just direct. I had... Um, one of my uh, relatives from out of town a couple of year years ago come into town and walked in, and we're sitting at dinner in my house, and he's all over me. Like, what? You're letting your kids do that? What kind of parenting is that? Because only a family member would be that blunt and direct. And Steph knew that me and this particular relative just don't, it just doesn't jive very well, and I was like, <laughs> like trying not to explode, and she kind of gave me the eye, like, hold it in, bug, stay strong. And then he goes into the bathroom, and um, we had our baseboards done a certain way, and he's like, you know you messed up the baseboards, and I went, are you kidding me, dude? Shut up. You're coming into my house telling me what to do? Who do you think you are? No one likes to be told what to do. No one. Yet, this is a great time for us to look at this, because it's in all of our natures. The reality is in this, in this room and in churches all over, there's going to be a different group of people. There's going to be people that go to church all the time. Then there's going to be people that never go to church. Then some go a couple times. Then some like, oh, I was made to go this year, but this is the last time I'm ever going. And then there are those people that are at church like on Sundays, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It doesn't matter who you are. We all have this nature. We don't want anyone to tell us what to do. And yet, this passage is all about that. So we're going to look at it briefly. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and when he was born, then the shepherds were there. But this happens about 12 months, two years later. So he's no longer a baby. He's a little toddler. And they're still in that area, and these magi, and the magi are um, scholars, and they're probably from Persia, Iraq, Iran, somewhere around there. And so they've come about 800 miles how do they know to come? Like, what, like, who are these people? Well, there's a long story behind the Magi that's so interesting. But basically, 
483 years, they knew because it was prophesied and they could tell by the stars and other things. After 483 years, after there was a declaration that, the, that Jerusalem would be rebuilt, then the Messiah would come. So they knew it. So they sent some. Probably more than three. Why? Because if they're traveling across, you don't just travel with three. You've got to roll strong because you're going across the desert. It's just too dangerous. You see, we hear these stories and we look at these guys and they're over here and they've got their little king things on. They weren't kings and they weren't there that day. But we put them all there because we just try to squeeze it together and it's not an excuse to get some more kids up there. But this is the way it went down. And this is, this is, this is the best part. We've talked about this throughout the year. The beautiful is most often ugly. There's an element that God seems when he creates something beautiful, he's got to make it difficult. And so it was difficult for these kings. And so they're coming all the way across, and they come, and they come to who? King Herod. And they come to him, and they say, where is he who was born king of the Jews? And then it says, we can go back to the slide right behind. It says, King Herod heard this, and he was disturbed. That's got to be one of the biggest understatements in the Bible. Imagine you're king, and someone comes up to you and says, hey, where's the king of the Jews? He's supposed to be here. You know, the Messiah, the one that's supposed to be the king over everyone. You think he's like, oh, cool. Herod is a bad man. I don't mean that in a good way. You know, oh, that guy's a bad man in a good way. No, this is a bad man. Um, he had ten wives. I don't mean he got married, got divorced, got married. Got, I mean, no, I mean he had ten wives and had all these kids. And often he would have people on his court just killed just because they got in his way for whatever reason. He, he, would, he had a few of his kids killed. Who kills their own kid? He did this because he was afraid they were going to take power. And then he did the same to one of his wives. How do we know this? Because here's the thing. When, when we choose things to put in the Bible, not we, but those who chose them, they chose them for two reasons. One, because they were true. There was a lot of things that never made it in because they weren't true. They were exaggerated or whatever. The other, the other, thing, the other reason to put it in is because it's revealing. It's revealing to us something to show us about God or something to show us about ourselves. And in this, they could have left King Herod out, but they left him in. And this was a murderous warfare time, and yet they include him. I mean, he's written about in other extra-biblical sources, which means things that have nothing to do with the Bible, because he's famous, because he did a lot of crazy things. He was a king, and he was just, he, he killed his family, because he wanted to retain power. And so he says, okay, well, tell me where this king of the Jews is, because I want to go worship him too. Well, why, why in the world did the did these wise men, if they're so wise, if they knew where he was in Bethlehem, why did they go to Jerusalem to go find King Herod? Doesn't make sense, does it? I think because it's drawing our attention to something else. So if we go to the next slide. So he says, go make a careful search for the child and let me worship him. And then as we see as it continues to go on, they go, they find the child, and they bring gifts. We sometimes think there's three because they bring three presents. This means they bring those three presents. And there's such significance behind those presents, but we won't get that into that. And then we see as the passage keeps going, Heidi, if you go to the next slide. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph 
in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So you look at that, and you're like, oh, okay. So the angel came to Joseph and said, hey, you got to go. Herod's going to come after you. You look at that, and you're like, okay, fine. They, they went to Egypt. Oh, it must be some great resorts there or a great place. No, they're refugees. Did you ever think about that? This king who was born is a refugee. They're, and they go probably to Alexandria in Egypt because there was a community of others that Herod was trying to kill. And so they're escaping there. It's like a camp. It's like a refugee camp in Alexandria, community. And so they escape there. If, if Jesus is the king, and this is all included, and Matthew could have left it out because no one would expect the son of the most high, the king, to come and be in this situation. And yet the writers are clear to put it in there to draw our attention so we don't miss it. You see, Herod's rich. He has control. He's a king. Jesus chooses to enter this world poor with a pregnant, teenage, unwed mother. And then in their poverty, they're escaping in the night, very little food, across the desert to get to Egypt as refugees. Very different. Very different approaches. And yet God, this is the best part for me. Jesus was king before he ever came. It wasn't like he had to come to get his kingship. That's what we've been talking about this whole month, the one thing about Christmas. Because Jesus didn't need to come to get the attention. He didn't need to come to be king. He was already king. So why would he come? So we look and we see what uh, Herod does here. Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi. He was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, all the people around there who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Like, you could have left that out, right? I mean, why would you put something so horrific in there? In this village, uh, the size of the village, it was probably 20 to 30 kids who he had murdered. What kind of king is this? But he was petrified of somebody telling him what to do. That's how he responds to this news. Mary responded one way. Her situation didn't get better. It got worse. Joseph was um, also met by an angel that said, hey, look, the Son of the Most High is coming. And his name will be Jesus, which means God with us. To Mary, oh, to Mary, her situation was crazy. But he said, no, he will be the Lord, which means the boss or the king. The king of kings. She said, yes. Let it be unto me as you've said. I am the Lord's servant. Joseph, all right, let's do this. I use the deeper voice because he's a guy. <laughs> and then the shepherds, they're out there and they hear this news. And then they come into public, which they don't usually do. They usually try to stay away from everyone else because they're considered unclean because they, they're with these dirty animals. That's how the culture was. And yet they are told, hey, by the angel, I bring you. Good news 
of a great joy. A Savior has been born to you. So this king is coming to save, not control, but to give his life away. And yet he's still a king. But Herod, he doesn't want anybody to tell him what to do, and he's so disturbed that he goes around murdering because he's so afraid of losing control. Why did they leave that in there? Why did, they, why did Matthew and Luke include all this? And this is why I believe, and this is what I'm going to close with. I believe it's all in there because we have to be faced with being told what to do or to ignore it. If, if the king, the son of the most high, was born and put in a manger on Christmas, then our right to rule ourselves, we need to make a decision with that. If this is true, if this isn't true, then it's just some pretty story and we can do some things with it. But, they claimed it was true. Jesus claimed that he was the son of God. And in that, we have to make a decision. Are we going to let him tell us what to do? Because none of us want to be told what to do. Even as you're leaving here today and someone says, hey, why don't we eat there? You're going to be like, well, why are you just tell me where we're going to eat? Why don't I get a say in the matter? Think about it. All those little ways that we just get, hey, we're going to go there tonight to this Christmas Eve Eve thing. Why is on Christmas Eve Eve? should be on Christmas Eve. I don't want to go. I want to sit here and I want to watch this. I want to do that. I want to do it. We, we do not want to be told what to do. And yet, when we bring it down to the core, we don't want to be told to forgive people. We don't want, to told, we don't want anybody to tell us to move. We don't want anybody to tell us to get a new job. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. And yet, if the Son of God was born on Christmas Day, then someone else is the king. Herod doesn't want to deal with that. So we're going to put Herod to the side now. It's really about us. This community is a church for people that don't go to church. And what that means is there's a bunch of us that are trying to follow Jesus and a bunch of people that are coming in trying to ask questions about this. Some people get lost and somehow find us. They don't know what they got trapped into. But ultimately want everyone to hear this good news because it is good news of a great joy. Although in our nature we don't want anybody to tell us what to do, Jesus, the king, who didn't have to come, chose to come. That's a good king. God himself came here because he loves us recklessly. So recklessly, he'd go through all of that to show you how much he loves you. And the reason that he came to lead is because he knows what's best for us. Because God, our creator, knows what's best for us. And he came to lead us so that we could have life and life to the full. Again, we talk about these familiar stories becoming unfamiliar. Whether you've ever been into a church, if you've been in the United States, you've probably heard this before. But John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we can easily skip over that first word, for. That word means for the purpose. This is the reason why. So, God so loved the world that he gave. Why? For. So it says in the beginning, because God loved us so much, he came. This wasn't convenient, but it's for love. And Matthew left all of that stuff in there, and Luke left all of that in there also to draw our attention to that, to realize this isn't just some pretty story. God loved us so much that he went through all of that so that we would know and not be 
confused on the reason why. Because if you're just going to be king, just come in with the horns blaring, the DJ going, do it right. But then you wouldn't know the reason why. And so the ultimate decision we all have to come to at some point or another, and the decision that many of us have given our life to, is to share with everyone. Because there's only so much time left here on this earth. And it's beautiful here, but it's not going to be nearly as beautiful if you're in charge. It is beautiful when you know how much God loves you. Because that's the only reason you'd let anyone ever tell you what to do. But if you know God's love for you, and you know that this Christmas time is really all about us being able to look at that and go, wow, God loved us that much. It's not that he's king. He was king before he came. But the king came for us. The king came for us. And in all of us, there's a little Herod, or maybe a big Herod, I don't know, that wants to just be in control. And my hope for us tonight, the reason I'm here speaking, is to maybe have you ask that question, should I really be in charge anymore? Should I really be doing this on my own? Or should, do I trust? We're not going to talk you into it because the only reason you would do that is if God grabbed a hold of you and said, no, do you hear this? I really do love you. When you know and you hear that whisper, or sometimes it's a scream, but usually it's a whisper, that you are loved and you want to entrust yourself. And he doesn't want a little piece of you. He wants all of you because he loves you. So I'm going to pray for us. Uh, the worship team's going to come up, and they're going to basically lead us in prayers. So it's music with words, which are basically prayers to music. And like we said, it's not a um, concert, although it's a little tricky. I walked in, and I heard them playing, and like, well, they're pretty good. So it, f it can sometimes seem like a concert because they're so good. But really, you're the instruments. So if these songs, if they resonate with you, if you agree with them, then sing along. Or if you just feel like, whoa, this is, this is a heavier night than I thought. I thought I was just going to see some little kids in shepherd's outfits. Then maybe you just need to let the song be sung over you. But this whole evening, we want to point towards the king, the son of the most high, and let you know he came to lead you. He's not looking for fans. He came for followers so they could have a full life, the most full life you could ever live. Father, my words, our songs, they all fall short. I ask that you would speak, that you would lead us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're thinking about which song to end with. And I was talking to my buddy Ash. If Ash can come up here real quick, if you don't mind. Um, we, we meet and we talk about this season. We're talking about the incarnation of Christ and Christ coming to earth and what that means. And like Boog shared so eloquently, it's, you boil it down to God's great love for us. But John had something, you know, I don't want to butcher his words. So I'll let him chat about it. Uh, yeah, we were just <laughs> we were just sharing with each other uh, some ideas about the incarnation. This is what we're gathered here for, and that God so loved us uh, that He decided to become one of us. And uh, it's 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 uh, it's mind-boggling in so many ways because I think we grow up and are taught at some point that it's not good to be human, that our souls need to get out of these bodies and we need to get away from this place into a heaven. And yet, 
the message seems to be that it is, it is good to be human, so good that God would manifest himself in human form in order to say, not only am I for you, I'm not only on your side, I'm at your side. And it is good, so good to be human. That's, that's uh, something we've been, we've been talking about lately. So I think, I think this next song, as you hear some of the lyrics, uh, one of them that touches my heart is that in this song, Oh Holy Night, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Have you heard that before? I think we tend to think of that as like moral, uh, like bunch of bunch of screw-ups. The world's been a bunch of screw-ups. And then he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. So it's not about our souls getting away to some other place, but it's the, the soul of the entire universe manifested itself in Jesus. And long lay the world wondering, how, how, how are we going to get out of here? How are we going to get our souls out of here? And I would say, no, no, no. And I think Jesus would say the same thing. He would say, it is good to be human. You bear the image of the divine. You bear the image of God as a human being. And I'm going to come here, and I'm going to show you that it is good to be human. And when he appeared, all of a sudden, the soul felt its worth. <laughs> 